Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. About a chain reaction that took place in Brainerd, Minnesota. Anybody ever been to Brainerd, Minnesota? Oh, got a couple of folks. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So December 9th, 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, restaurants are shut down and drive throughs are about the only thing open. And in the midst of that, a chain reaction of generosity took place. Somebody decided that they were going to pay for the people's food behind them. You ever done that or had that done to you? Uh, Well, somebody decided to do that. And then the next person and then the next person, and the next person. And this chain reaction of generosity continued, not for just five cars or 10, but for 900 vehicles. Over $10,000 worth of burgers and fries paid forward. Some people even left extra money and said, you know what, just in case somebody doesn't have money to pay for the guy behind them, I'm going to leave extra money to provide as well. So over two and a half days, 900 plus people going through paying it forward. What a beautiful picture of generosity. Doesn't that just warm your heart when you hear stuff like that? That's what generosity does. It warms your heart. God wired you so that when you are generous, it fills a part of your soul that's there that you may not even know you have. Our world teaches us that we'll be happiest the more we get, The more we keep, the more we hold on to, the more we own. God teaches just the opposite. We'll be the happiest the more we give, the more we bless, the more we share, the more we help. It's a chain reaction that when when you choose to be generous when other people don't, people notice. They realize, and they're like, something is different. Something is going on here that I need to pay attention to. Today, we're going to talk about the habit of heaping, heaping generosity onto others, heaping generosity to the Lord, the idea that we are going to learn how to bless and be blessed. Sometimes it's it's harder to receive than it is to give, isn't it? Some of you have that challenge. It's like others want to bless you, and you're like, no, 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 I don't, I don't need any help at this time. I've, I've just been unemployed for three months and haven't eaten in three days, but I don't need your help. I can take care of it myself. Some of you got to learn to set your pride on the shelf and let others love on you as well. That's part of being this fellowship, this community we talked about uh, just last week. Well, for you, those to give, I want to start by saying thanks. Thanks to everybody that, that drops your tithes and offerings in the plate week after week. Uh, because you give, we get to feed 150-ish college students every Tuesday night over in the West Wing and get to help them come to know the Lord. And because of that generosity, just recently they paid it forward when one of our part-time college ministers, Josiah Fox and his wife, took a leap of faith to move to Oregon. They took up an offering amongst college students, okay, college students, and raised over $10,000 to help send them to Oregon. That's contagious generosity. That's what God calls us to. We get to be generous and see it flow into others. 
I remember my friend David, uh, 30 years ago, I was going off to California, and he gave me what he called the holy handshake. I didn't know what the holy handshake was. But he'd put a $100 bill in his, in his hand, and he'd give me a handshake, say, say goodbye as, as I was going off to seminary, and I was like, what do you, what's that? Oh, it's a $100 bill. I was so excited. I was like, I like them holy handshakes. <laughs> I've learned to give holy handshakes. It's fun. It's fun to bless people. It's fun to give to the work of the Lord. And, and, and because you give people, uh, several years ago, I had somebody call right after we put the cross on the hill. Uh, that's been 15 years ago. But I had somebody call the church office, and, and they were upset because we, we had put this church cross on the hill. And they said, well, why is it you churches want to bring all the attention to yourself and uh, instead of helping other people? I said, well, well, sir, we, we do help other people. He said, yeah. I said, yeah, matter of fact, we just sent uh, a team to Guatemala, I think it was at that time, to serve in an orphanage. That's just like you churches. You just want to help people overseas. What are you doing here? I said, well, last month we sent over 100 people to New Orleans because of the floods. And he goes, oh, well, that's just like you folks, always going somewhere else. I said, well, we, we also, and I began telling about our Be the Church Day where we served all the projects. We just did 25 projects this year, uh, widows and people in need in our local community. And, and literally he goes, oh, thanks. And he hung up. <laughs> and, and I don't say that to be, to be upset with him. I, I just want you to know that when you give, we are doing the work of the Lord with what you give. And it's a joy as a church to get to be generous. When we started our first service back in Cane Creek Elementary School, the very first Sunday we met, we decided as a team that we would take as a testimony of God's provision and give away our first offering. So the first offering, I don't know, it may have just been 30 bucks, I don't even remember, but whatever came in that day, we gave it away for missions just to say we trust God for his provision moving forward. And he's been faithful. He's been faithful to provide and he continues to be faithful. Uh, but but being transparent, teaching on giving and generosity is, is hard for some of us preachers. It's hard because you've got the uh, testimonies out there in the newspapers of churches that have been uh, unfaithful with their giving, pastors that have been uh, unscrupulous with their, with their paycheck. Uh, you got the TV evangelists that go on TV and say, hey, send a your last $1,000 to my ministry, and then you find out they're living in a $10 million house on the coast, and, and then they have another $5 million house somewhere else. And you hear those stories, and it's hard not to get jaded when it comes to giving and the, the work of the church. So I'll just tell you, one of the core values we've had from the beginning is radical generosity here, but also transparency. And so you can come as a member of the church. You can come to the office, and we'll show you where every dollar goes. You can even find what we did with salaries. We set salary bands so that nobody gets this crazy big salary, that everything is uh, in line actually with the public school system so that we feel like we're educators in the work of the Lord. Our public school teachers are educators in the public school system. And so we tie those two together so that you can have faith in what you give for the work each week. Now, there's plenty more we could do, right? 
There's always more needs. There's always more that we could help with. Brian talked this morning about the earthquakes in Turkey, and, and there's always more. So you can't meet all the needs, but you can start where you're at and ask God where to start. When he prompts your heart, just say, yes, Lord, and see what happens. It's fun. We're going to look at what Paul said about giving. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we see the beginning of his teaching on this. He wrote two letters to people in the city called Corinth. 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians is what we call them. And in each of these letters, he's trying to instruct them how to be a church. And they're all new believers. So they're trying to figure it all out. And in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 to 3, he's giving them the beginning instructions. They, they, he was challenging them to take up an offering so that they could help another church in Jerusalem that were struggling because of persecution. And he gives them some instruction in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and then he follows it up in 2 Corinthians. So we're gonna jump in first with 1 Corinthians 16. He says, now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. When I come, I will write letters of recommendation for the messengers you choose to deliver your gift to Jerusalem. So let's pray and ask God to speak to us this morning. Lord, I'm so grateful that you've taught me about generosity. It's been hard to root out of me uh, my materialistic ways and my selfishness. But I thank you because I really believe generosity has been the key in rooting that out of me. Lord, we're, we're bombarded. Each one of us in this room, God, we are bombarded with images day in and day out of cooler jackets, better looking blue jeans, nicer cars, bigger houses, uh, so many things, God. A lot of bling bling put in front of us and Seems like always they try to make us feel like we're less than everybody else. But Lord, you tell us that we are rich if we are in you. You tell us, Lord, the things that matter is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Lord, help us to understand the way you see generosity. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you got your listening guide, pull that out. And by the way, I encourage you to pick that up every week when you come through or go, or go to your River app and follow along. You can take notes on it that way. Uh, but the first thing I want you to see is we're called to set aside a portion of our earnings for the Lord's work weekly or consistently. Uh, you know, back then, they didn't necessarily get paid weekly. If you're a merchant, you get paid daily. If you're a a shepherd, and you brought your sheep in once a year, you get paid yearly, right? And it's the same thing today. Some people get paid weekly, some get paid monthly, some get paid yearly, however that works. But I believe the teaching here is that we need to give uh, accordingly, weekly or consistently, how we're provided for. That's the simplest way. And so the Corinthians, he said, the first day of the week set aside. Now, Sunday would be the first day of the week. Uh, we've kind of got it as the last day of our week in our mindset, but it was the first day of the week to them. 
uh, because Saturday was seen as the last day of the week. So he's saying each day when y'all come together, set aside a portion of what you make. Now, what is that portion? Well, there's only two portions I find in the, in the New Testament and the Old Testament. There's the 10% portion that's called the tithe, okay? That's all throughout the Old Testament. We'll look at that in a minute. But then there's Jesus' portion, which is everything. <laughs> Jesus made it real simple. For some people to go, you know what? I don't see the tithe much in the New Testament, and I'm a New Testament giver. I'm like, oh, so you give 100%. You sold your house and your land, and you brought it all and gave it all to God. That's awesome. To which they usually go, what? Listen, when Jesus calls us to follow, everything is his. Now, to start with, I hope we realize how blessed we are and to whom much is given, much is required. But we live in a land today where we can go out and work and earn money and provide for our families, and that's a blessing. I know for a while, there was a season in my life that I thought work was a part of the curse. It's not. God gave the gift of work before there was sin. And the idea is that working actually gives us purpose. Working actually, when you come home from a hard day's work and you've, you earn that check, there's something inside of you that riles up and says, yes, I'm glad I went to work, right? That's a gift God's given us. And he calls us to give a portion of that to him. Now, what is that portion? Well, let's look at some scriptures. We'll start the very first time this idea of a tithe, and all the word tithe means is 10%. People say, well, why is it 10%, not 15 or 5? I think it, God knew we needed it simple because we're not all good at math. So it's real simple. If I make 150 bucks, I move the decimal place one spot, it's $15. When I started working at the donut shop, it was real easy. I'd make $33 if I worked on Saturdays, move that decimal place, $3.30. And some people say, well, it's, it's, uh, it's easier to give, give when you make a lot more money. But I don't know that that's true because when I was first working and making $33 a week, that $3.30, that wasn't even a cheeseburger and fries and Coke, you know? But when I started making real money and getting working full-time, all of a sudden I'm making $800, $900, $1,000 a month. That's been some years back. But a youth pastor didn't get paid much. But when I started making that kind of money, all of a sudden, it's like, Lord, that tithe could be a car payment, right? And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, that's, that's real money. It doesn't matter if you make a lot or a little. We're all given the privilege of giving a portion for God's work. So Genesis 14, 18 to 20 uh, was the first record we have of this 10% idea. It says, and Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and a priest of God most high, brought Abraham bread and wine, and Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. Why was it a tenth? It doesn't tell us. It's just the first time we have that listed. Then you skip down to Numbers, the fourth book in the Bible, and he's given the laws and the teaching to the, to the Jews. And in verse 21, he says, As for the tribe of Levi, your relatives, I will compensate them for their service in the tabernacle. Instead of an allotment of land, 
I will give them the tithes from the entire land of Israel. So God set up a system. The system was if you're a Levite, your responsibility is take care of the tabernacle or in the future of the temple. So you don't get land to, to farm. You don't get that because you don't have time to farm. You're supposed to be working for me as God, as God's talking to them, and serving the people, leading the people, keeping them close to me. And so what I'm going to do for you, Levites, I'm going to have everybody else who's farming the land take 10% of what they earn and give it to the Levites so that you guys can eat and you can take care of the work of the Lord. And so that was the process. But he wanted the Levites to know that they too had to have this leap of faith of generosity. Numbers 18, 26, just five verses further, says, give these instructions to the Levites. When you receive from the people of Israel the tithes I have assigned to your allotment, give a tenth of the tithes you re receive, a tithe of the tithe to the Lord as a sacred offering. So even those of us who are pastors are called to tithe off what we receive from your gifts to help pay our salaries as well. Now, sometimes uh, it's tough. I heard people say, well, the tithe is just the, the beginning point. It's not the end point. And, and although I agree with that, I want you to know that, man, if you're tithing, that's a leap of faith in itself. It's a huge leap of faith that you're trusting God with your provisions. And I celebrate that with you. I remember when we started the church, I was making $1,100 a month. That was through outside sources. That $1,100 a month that I was making. And we didn't have anybody else in the church at that time except one of their family. And I, I was like, well, Lord, instead of me giving that $110 to the church, can I just give that $100 to me? Because I'm the only pastor in the church right now. I th so basically what I say, can I just keep my tithe and use it to help feed my family? Or do I need to give that money and use it for the church stuff? And the Spirit of God was really clear with me. That money wasn't mine, it was his. And he wanted to build my faith and to trust him. And so in that moment, I did. And I could tell you, we've never missed a bill. We've eaten some ramen noodles and some beans and rice and done a lot of car sharing and whatever we got to do sometimes. But the Lord's always provided. And he will, I believe, for all. Well, what about the New Testament? Because I have people say, well, you know, that's the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Well, to start with, Jesus affirmed the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. The only thing he really affirms them for is for tithing. In Matthew 23, 23, it says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So what was he saying? <laughs> he calls them hypocrites here. Not a good way to start off. You're going to challenge people to give money, right? You bunch of hypocrites. He says, but here's what you do. You, you, you raise these little herbs in your home, in your garden, and you go to the trouble of chopping up 10% of your herbs to give to, the, to God's work but then you, you miss the important things. You're basically mean as a snake. 
You don't care about justice. You don't show mercy. Those are the more important things. So let me say, you can put as much money in the plate as you want to, but if you're not living out justice and mercy and love, you're missing the whole point. God is love, and his followers are called to love one another as he has loved us. So don't get it backwards. For that reason, I, I don't know what anybody gives here because I never want to be swayed by anybody's ability to give or not give. Our idea is that you are faithful to give your portion, and that's between you and God, and to trust him with your first fruit. And we, we trust that, that as God speaks to you, that you'll hear his voice and say, yes, Lord. And then what's important is that you get to see that he will reward us. That's the second thing, is we need to give with the right heart. Paul continues his teaching in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5 through 7, and look at what he says, the heart. It says, so I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So what's he saying? He's trying to let us know that it, it's a matter of the heart, that he wants us to find joy in our giving, to give generously and willingly. That's when we get to have fun with our money. I, I, I didn't grow up understanding that, but the closer I come to the Lord, the more I understand the best fun I can have with my money is blessing other people and surprising other people and, and giving my, my gifts to God and seeing him do so much more with those gifts than what I can do myself. That's what the Lord does. He multiplies our gifts. It says that he'll reward us with a generous crop. How does he do that? He does that by meeting our needs in multiple ways. In Malachi 3, he even says we can test him and that he will bless our crops, that he'll keep the locusts from devouring. Now, we don't worry about locusts here, right? We've got insecticide or whatever, uh, but plenty of us have cars that break down, HVAC units that break down, all that kind of fun stuff, right? I think it'll still happen if we tithe, but I think he'll always be there to provide for our needs when we need it. And, and giving can be this act of worship that he desires. And it, it should be something we can do cheerfully. In verse 7, he says, give cheerfully, not reluctantly. A man named Hody Childers, you may have never heard of Hody Childers. He lived in Gerardine, Alabama. Hody worked two jobs pretty much all his life. He worked at Lockheed Martin, and he is a farmer. Most people know if you're a farmer, you got to work a second job, right? Well, that's what Hody did all his life. Well, one day, Hody was going to, to get his medicine from the pharmacy, and the person in front of him couldn't afford to pay for the, his medicine, and so he didn't get it. And Hody stepped up, and he, he asked the lady, he said, how often does this happen? Is this a normal thing? And she said, mm, fairly regular. We'll have someone that can't afford to pay for a medicine that's important to their life. Hody said, well, I'd like to help. And he gave her $100. And he said, if somebody can't pay for their medicine, you pay for their medicine with this $100. I'll trust you to figure out who that is. He came back the next month to get his 
his uh, pharmacy prescription fulfilled. He said, how did it go? And, and the pharmacist told him a story. She said, well, I'll tell you what, every month I'll be here with another $100. And for 12, 10 years, Hody brought $100 every month to the pharmacy. Nobody knew but him and the pharmacist. That was it. And it, the pharmacist, of course, got to have the fun of blessing people, but nobody knew who was giving it. That was his requirement. Well, uh, Hody got sick, and he couldn't drive, and he couldn't get out of the house. So he had to share a secret with his adult daughter. And so she began going down and giving the money. And then Hody passed away, and, and he was afraid. I mean, he wasn't afraid. His, his family was concerned about whether they should share that story or not. But they felt like, you know what? Holy was a man of God that, that he didn't do it for the wrong reasons. And this is the way we can celebrate what Hody did on his own initiative. So they testified at the funeral that Hody had done that. And they said that the number of, of calls and letters of thank you that they got from people in the community saying, that was me. That was me. That touched my heart. That, that made a difference in my grandmother's life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, the family was so touched that, that they began helping as well. Well, then the word got out, and then people from all over the country, after they heard the story, began sending money to this little pharmacy in this little town to help with people that couldn't pay for their own prescriptions. Generosity is contagious. But somebody's got to start the fire. I challenge you, let's, let's start this fire. Let's, give this, let's get this fire going. Let's trust that God is the God of all creation, and he can provide. If we trust in him, that he can provide for our needs when we need that need. Third, uh, God supernaturally provides for the giver's needs out of his harvest. So, ask you a question. Do you believe that God created the world? You believe, you believe he created it all, right? You believe he knows where all the resources are, the gold, the silver, the oil, all that good stuff? He's got all the resources. And I believe he's in control of all the resources. And so if he says that we can give and trust in when we have a need that he'll provide, we can trust him in that. And he can supernaturally provide in a way that can even shock and awe all of us because of his amazing provision. Look at 2 Corinthians uh, 9, verses 8 to 11. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 to 11. This is Paul continuing to share. And God will generously provide. Underline that word generously. I mean, God's a generous God. And so if he's being generous towards you, you know you're going to be in good shape. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over. And then he tells you why he's going to leave you more left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. The Lord will bless your generosity and your faithfulness with his level of provision. But we've got to take that leap of faith. And it's a leap. Listen, 
If you've never trusted God with the first 10%, that's a leap of faith. I believe it's a huge step when you take that step. It's a huge step of trust in God. It's a huge step of faith that he is your provider and not yourself. It's a leap of faith. But then when you get to see how God works, how he is faithful, it's fun. So I always love it when God gives me an example the week before my sermon. So last Monday, we're, we're driving from here to Murfreesboro for a conference. I'm driving my van. We're driving to get on 840 to go to Murfreesboro. And as I come around, I hit a pothole, I hear this thud. You know those blood-curling thuds you hear? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I think everything's okay. We keep driving. And then I start hearing this. <laughs> Didn't sound good. I leaned back to my wife and said, honey, I said, how long has that wheel-bearing noise been going on? For a couple of weeks or anything? She said, never heard it before. I said, mm, I'll fix it. So I turned the radio up louder. And we kept driving. So that's a true story. So we're driving on, and then about five minutes later, I hear this boom. And uh, I mean, the, the back of the van shakes. We blow a tire. I, I was drinking my water. I was like, here, Brian, hold this. <laughs> we're holding on for dear life. I get it over to the side of the interstate. Nobody hurt. Uh, the tire shredded. And thankfully, TJ was, was traveling with us. He came back behind me. Uh, we had to find out where the spare tire was. Man, they hide those things these days. Have you ever noticed that? It's like we had to Google to find out where spare tire was. Found a spare tire, then of course it's flat, right? Right, flat. Thankfully, I had a, a uh, one of those little uh, air compressors, plugged it in, it was broke. I was like, come on, Lord. And then I realized I had a second air compressor. Who has two air compressors? I don't know, but I did. I got that thing aired up, we got it on, and off we go. I was like, all right, we're going to go take this and get a new tire. And Because I thought that was it. I thought we just popped a tire. Well, the people riding behind us who were following us said as soon as we took off, that tire went from this to this. What happened was I broke my tie rods on my rear end suspension, independent suspension, and it broke. And so it was just barely hanging on there. They said, if I change lanes, that whole tire would go like this the whole time. <laughs> Uh, you, you should hear them st tell it. It's funny. They're like, when you hit the railroad track, Steve, we all screamed at once. Because <laughs> it went, whoa, <laughs> this number. <laughs> so I, I get it to a mechanic, and uh, he's like, I don't know if I'll be able to get it done today. I'm like, man, I got to drive back to Cookville. I said, do whatever you can. And so he he thankfully was able to get the parts and, and get it done and um, was very, very kind and diligent, and I came back, and it was done, and, and he's like, wow, it's been kind of a rough day for you, hadn't it? I said, well, actually, it's been a good day. He's like, what do you mean? I said, well, God's blessed me, man. I said, nobody wrecked. I said, nobody died. I said, you guys were awesome. You were able to get it fixed for me, and by the time I needed to leave, I said, at the end of the day, it's just money, and God's got this. He's like, wow, that's a really good attitude. I was like, well, I mean, I'm really thankful. I really was. I was like, nobody got hurt. Nobody died. We got it fixed. But it was about $1,000. And I was, I mean, I would, I'm not going to lie to you. That, that's like real money to me. I don't know about you guys, but to me, that's real money. But it's like, you know what? God's got this. We can trust him. So we get in the van. We, we come back home. That night, my, mom, my wife says to me, she said, you need to read this letter. 
I said, I was tired. It was like 1030. I was like, okay. So I read it. And it's somebody that wrote this beautiful letter of encouragement to my wife uh, because uh, she had inspired them through a difficult season that she was in. And they were just very thankful. And then she said, read the last sentence. And the last sentence said, by the way, we don't know why, but God spoke to us to just bless y'all. I hope you, you enjoy it and can find a use for it. Is a check for $1,000. Isn't that good? Isn't that cool? God's good. Now, that doesn't happen every time I break down. I break down a lot. I'm just telling you, I break down a lot, okay? But the Lord knew we needed it that day. He knew we needed that encouragement. He knew that you needed that encouragement. That literally it was almost to the, to the dollar amount. And uh, I got a chance to share that with the person that gave it to us last week, and they just started tearing up. They're like, God is good. He's good. And so you may be here today, and this is new for you, but I, I want to challenge you to learn this generosity. When the Spirit of God prompts you, be obedient and say yes. Trust him. He, he owns the cattle of a thousand hills and the hills that the cattle stand on. He can provide. But we've got to take that leap of faith. And the last thing is when we give, God is glorified and needs are met. God's glorified and needs are met. 2 Corinthians 9, 12 to 15 says this. So two good things will result from the ministry of giving. Did you know that's a ministry? The ministry of giving. It's a ministry all of us can participate on. The ministry of giving. Two good things result with the ministry of giving. One, the needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to believers will provide that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. Two things happen. Needs are met. When you give every Sunday, we're meeting needs with that money. We're blessing people. We're helping people. We're giving to the uh, Cookville Pregnancy Clinic. We're giving to the rescue mission. We're giving to Rising Above. We're giving to these things. When you give, needs are being met. And two, people glorify God because the money's coming from the people of God. And God gets the glory, gets the honor and the praise. So I want to ask you today to consider this. Uh, you got your listening guide there. You can pull out your little card. There's a card in there. To, there's a card. You can pull that out, your name, your information. You don't have to fill it out, or you can just take it home with you. We're going to pass the baskets in a minute. And you, you can drop it in the basket. But the first thing I want to offer you is if you're struggling financially, you can put the letter A on there with your name and information. We'll give you a call. We'll, we'll be offering a, a financial peace seminar and we want to help you learn how to use your finances. If you need a job, let us know. We want to help you find the right job. We believe the church should be the place to help those that are struggling financially, okay? So if you're in that situation, put that letter A down and let us call you and help you in any way we can. B is if, if you've never really tithed, but you want to take that leap of faith 
You want to start there with your generosity. I want to challenge you, if you've never done that, to take that leap of faith and see God do something that only he can do. See, is if you tithe, but you do so grudgingly. Like when you write the check, you're like, and you look at your spouse, say, do we have to give all that? I want to challenge you to begin to give joyfully and to say, you know what? This is to the glory of God. This is to honor him. So we're going to pray over this offering and we're going to trust that God is going to use it and, and multiply it more than we could if we kept it and to give joyfully. And then the last is the most important. If you're here today and you don't know that God is the most generous God ever, I want you to discover that. D is for discovering God's love. If you have never discovered his love, here's what you need to know. He is generous, so much so, that he gave his one and only son to give his life for you and me. That he loves us so much that he was willing, Christ was willing to go to the cross and the pain and the suffering for you and for me. And if you've never discovered that love, listen, I, this may sound weird, ignore everything else I've said till now. Because God doesn't care about your money until he's got your heart. Your first step is your heart. He wants you to know him and the power of the resurrection and the hope that he gives. And if you've never done that, we want to help you discover that. That's letter D, okay? And then our invitation today is uh, we're going to pass the baskets and we're going to give you that invitation to put that letter on the card and you're going to drop it in the baskets. I'm, I'm going to pray over you and uh, then we're going to, the ushers and deacons are going to pass the baskets after I, after I pray. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come before you this morning. We want to humble ourselves. God, we know that every good and perfect gift comes from you. You're the reason we had a car to drive here today. You're the reason we could work with our strength and our, our minds and provide for our families. So we celebrate you this morning. God, I want to pray for the folks that, that do not yet know you. I pray that they would open their hearts to you today. They'd be willing to put that letter D for discover on there. Or they'll be willing to talk to somebody after the service. I pray for those that are needing to take a leap of faith and trust you with their tithe. I pray they would step out today. I pray for those that need to learn to do it generously and joyfully. I pray that you'd refresh them today by getting to see that. Lord, we want to be your hands and your feet and your voice and your provision in our community. So help us be those disciples that you call us to be. Pray that in Jesus' name. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening today. If you would like more information about the church and what God is doing here through the river, you can visit therivercc.com or you can download our app in the app or Google Play Store. Again, we just want to say thank you for listening, and we hope as you go throughout your week that you are able to love God, love people, and impact the world.